There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again uh, this week. And um, you know, as ever with this show, we, we, we've been very, very blessed in having wonderful guests. And I'm so excited about the guests this week. We've got Lara Stein. Um, I'm sorry, Lara, do you refer to it Lara Stein or Steen? Well, I come from South Africa. It's Stein in South Africa and Stein in America, so anything works. Anything works, okay. <laughs> so we've got we Lara Stein, um, Stein uh, today with us, and we're going to be talking about <laughs> empowering leaders to build a better tomorrow. And um, Lara's just got the most amazing, amazing CV, and I just think he's the most perfect person to have this conversation with. And for anyone who listens to this show, we're now nearly 10 years old, and you know, I have this passion about elevating leadership and helping leaders to step up and, and contribute to um, improving and uh, solving some of the world's problems. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is very close to Lara's heart as well. Uh, now, Lara um, really understands this challenge. She's the, uh, the chairman and the founder of an organization called uh, BOMA Global. And, uh, you know, fascinating sort of history and that Lara was the founder of the TEDx program, which I'm sure most of you will have heard of um, because it's a global phenomena, really. Uh, more than 15,000 events, more than a billion video uh, views, you know, it brought TED um, to, uh, to our doorsteps all over the globe. And, and through her work with TEDx, um, Lara learned the innovation power of local communities and how to harness that power. Um, she's also learned um, how to build a massive, massive volunteer network and how to sustain it long term. After leaving TED, uh, Lara joined Singularity University. She built a decentralized network of country partners and took that global. And uh, now with BOMA, uh, she's joined forces with dozens of countries um, and partners and is um, uh, developing uh, another kind of movement, really, of, uh, of development and leadership development across the globe. So um, let's explore that. The other thing with Lara, too, is she belongs to and is, is, is part of and chair of all sorts of other charitable organizations and organizations that are advancing uh, the, um, the world through um, giving uh, greater opportunities to uh, women and uh, children and, and you name it. So uh, believe me, we're in for an exciting and uh, very fascinating conversation today. So, Lara, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're very welcome. And I should thank uh, our good friend of the show, Judy Robiness, as well, for introducing us. Uh, she uh, has the most amazing yeah. connections and contacts, and she's very, very kind in, in sharing those and, uh, and, and uh, with me, and uh, it's really appreciated. So, Lara, you've got this amazing fascinating CV and you're making a, you know, made a really positive impact on the world through TEDx and various other ventures. But you know, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your story, your, your background, maybe your childhood, you know, how, you know, where did these, um, this, this sort of drive and these noble projects, where, you know, what did, where did it all start for you? Yes. So I grew up in South Africa during apartheid and uh, my family was very politically active, anti-apartheid activists. Both my father and my brother are advocates, and my brother studied philosophy at Oxford. Um, but I definitely, my early formative years, saw how systems can definitely create great hardship for a large swath of a population, and equally importantly, how a lack of education can really... Um, stifle and put people down. And so I think that was the world I grew up in, understanding that in order to build a strong, whether it's a government, economy, company, you need to have equity, inclusion, um, transparency, and um, 
those are values that I've sort of taken to whatever I've done throughout my life. Uh, you know, I'm most well-known for TEDx, but I spent the first part of my career when I'm, I moved to America after high school, but spent the first part of my career at the intersection of, I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker, but landed up playing a lot at the intersection of technology and education, uh, you know, ran a division of Microsoft, merged three internet strategy companies that, that were very much focused on how do we solve, um, you know, big technical issues inside of organizations and, you know, ran a series of licensing departments. So, you know, I look back on my career and, you know, I drew bits and pieces from everything I did, mainly in the for-profit sector, and then landed up at TED building the TEDx movement. And that really informed my and, and sort of shifted my notion of how do we drive an inclusive, sustainable change. Mm. Did, did, I mean, you know, you, you brought up in South Africa, I um, you know, I've had the privilege of going there myself and standing in Nelson Mandela's cell in Robin Island and you know thinking through all of that. So you know where you know your your, your parents were you know you, you seem to be doing amazing things. You know were your parents doing amazing things in South Africa or were they very you know what, what was your what was your no, I mean, my, I mean, my mom graduated college at 15, but then, you know, I think it's a very patriarchal society, South Africa, at least it was when I was growing up. And, you know, the expectation of my mother when she had children was to stay home and look after her kids. Sorry, that's the New York City siren in the background. I'm not sure you're hearing it. But. No, that's okay. I did, yeah, no, it's, okay. it's fine. It adds, it adds to the, um, uh, the geographical aspects of the show. It's fine. Uh. Yeah, so my dad went to work, you know, he was a lawyer and my mom's expectation was to stay at home and bring up her kids. And those were, you know, I, I carry those values with me. When I had my twins um, in the early 2000s, I actually gave up work for four years because those, I held those values in me and I really wanted to be there for, you know, my, my kids. And the hardest transition probably of my um, career was after giving up working for four years, getting back into the workplace. And that's when I, I decided that, you know, if I was going to leave my kids at home, I needed a job that would align with my values. And that's when I was hired by TED to run one of the TED prizes and then landed up staying on and working on this concept of how do we take this educational conference, TED, which was a small conference um, out into the world and, spent a summer building the model that ultimately became TEDx. Yeah. It was, a it was driven by my, you know, my, my shift in values once I had kids that it can't, and the direction which the world was going, that it can't just be about, um, you know, driving revenue and with, with, with zero attention to the impact of other stakeholders, that, that the world had a shift into a more inclusive more sustainable and gentler place if we're going to survive. And I felt that um, in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, we just, we just, we, you know, we're kind of at a critical point in history right now, aren't we? It, it feels, and uh, there's so many things kind of converging and we can go, we can continue doing what we've done before. We can, we can think differently. How, how has the pandemic kind of impacted you and your, th your, your thinking and, and, and the progress towards this really? This is interesting. So BOMA, which is the latest iteration of building a global ecosystem that drives change, is a decentralized network of partners driving these educational leadership experiences. But what it was really optimized for was, it's called BOMA because in ancient Africa, the BOMA was where the tribe would come together to make their hard decisions and take action. And we're playing on this idea that we need new systems to drive a sustainable future, and they have to be both top-down and bottom-up. And so the BOMA is the circle that represents these emergent circles around the world that will help roll up to driving better decision-making on the planet. And it's very symbolic at this point, but we are in, you know, 12 countries and growing. And, you know, our, our vision of change is that, you know, in order to solve these problems, we need all stakeholders. And so it's very fundamental to who we are and what we are. And so I guess what COVID really represented for, for, for both me and us as a network is how deeply 
vulnerable we all are as humanity and how deeply interconnected we all are and how none of these big global challenges can be solved by a single nation state. Like we need a single, we need some consensus here in order to drive the decisions, the kinds of decisions we need to make in the future. And in order to do that, we need a different kind of system right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, and we need education. We need to educate leaders in a way and very much what BOMA does, one of our products is leadership training and we focus on both the what you need to know and the who you need to be. So the externalities of the the rate of change, I mean, we're living in such a complicated world um, and with change happening so quickly and the demands in our leaders, employees have never been greater and we're living this very consumptive life where we, you know, consume a huge amount and we can't really meet the demands of this future and you have all these vectors coming together. So, you know, 90% of CEOs are saying they truly are reevaluating how they are leading right now. And so it's not just the what you need to know, but it's also we also focus on the who you need to be, the courage, the vulnerability, the ethical issues in order to make this change happen. So we sort of live at the intersection where we're providing this, these training programs for, you know, a, a lot of management, but the way we design them, they can scale both up and down. And we're building them based on some of the world's best leading thinkers that we have in our extended networks because of the work we've done in our past with TED, with Singularity and other global networks we've built. And so, you know, I think if, there, if you are a corporation at this point or if you're any leader, um, you're trying to assess how you're going to actually be able to make um, – move your company in the direction it needs to move in order to reach some very specific goals that are either going to be, um, you know, implemented based on, you know, governance or based on the requirements of your employees who are demanding that you align more with the sustainability narrative or your consumers aren't going to buy your goods unless they see more transparency in the supply chain, more inclusion. And so ultimately, for leaders, it is a very complicated time, and so that's the world we're living in and navigating right now. But yeah, I think I think that's uh, you know in you know this this point in history we're heard, hearing the word systemic a lot mentioned, aren't we? About uh, you know the, about yeah, but how, it's all it's complicated. They it big complicated problems, and so and you can't simplify them, and you can't you know, but you can create a common story or a common learning where you understand at least. You know, you've got your regulatory issues. Corporations, are going, not only corporations, but corporations are going to have to meet new mandates, climate and environmental goals by 2030. It's just a given, right? And every yeah. region right now is very different as to how they're approaching that. You've got your workforce who wants to be inspired and they want to align with these values and you're going to have to upskill them because a, a lot of, you know, the, the automation and AI is going to change the way you do business as well as moving towards a more sustainable future, your employees want to be part of this change and they want to work for a company that's forward thinking. And then, you know, your, your company itself is going to be required, you know, by, by governments to reduce their emissions, to, you know, create a more inclusive workforce. And at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about only about doing right. You will be a more successful company if you're willing to em- embrace diversity and inclusion, sustainability, and a more fair system in, in, in how you govern. And you, you will make more money ultimately because you're going to be held accountable. And investors are going to hold you accountable as well. So I, so I, I guess in that then the, the, the challenge becomes you know, this, the, the habitual ways of doing that people people have and have been operating for a number of years and uh with the likes you mentioned there about the, the boma and sitting around the, the campfire and uh, working out what to do and how to how to be in terms of doing it that there's a lot of uh, a need to get out of the way of ourselves and, and and think differently and be prepared to change yeah and so the courageous leadership the agility the inclusion you know those are all part you you're going to have to embrace a different kind of leadership to get there and um, part of it is also shedding some of the ego because I think yeah. a lot of our CEOs have, you know, fought a hard battle to get to where they get to, and it's a pretty lonely job at the top. And not all of them are always open enough to understand what needs to happen in order to make this change happen. And there are a lot now leading the way, and even more have thrown their 
hat in the ring saying they're going to meet net zero goals by some as aggressive as 2030, others by 2050, but very few actually have a real plan to get there. So anybody saying, well, we're going to do this by then, if they don't have a plan to get there, that's not too far away. They're not going to be able to make those goals. And so it's going to take a really new kind of leadership to actually meet those goals. Yeah. And do, do you think that, uh, you know, now you mentioned there about uh, shedding, shedding the ego, that it's going to require a lot more transparency. Um, I mean, uh, leaders, certainly the big, the big companies, many of them have been earning enormous sums and bonuses based on, you know, increasing turnovers and utilizing more resources and, um, a different way, a, a kind of more, um, more kind of we approach than an I approach, but possibly needed. Yeah, definitely. But that's a, a real shift in the, in the culture and value system of some organizations. So um, in order to do that, you know, it's, it's all about education. It's all about how do you educate these leaders um, to understand the rate of change and what is happening, uh, sustainability, ESG, a lot of the, you know, the pressures that are going to be put on them, but then also as a human being, what they're going to need to do to get there. And, and I, it's, it's definitely a combination. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at a lot of places in the world, you know, I think CEOs still are governing based on old models and, while they're starting to say the right things, they really haven't thought about how they're going to make this change happen. And you look at other places in the world and there's still lack of transparency. There's a lot of corruption. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of our technology is going to weed out some of that corruption. And so in the future, you won't have a choice. Your, your value system is going to have to align and your company's going to have to align. Yeah. Wow, lots, lots to think about and lots of, lots of complexity. So we're going to go to commercial break now. And, uh, and after the break, we'll, we'll explore this some more. We'll explore um, some of uh, Lara's TEDx experiences as well uh, and you know, start to gain a, a bit more of a, an insight into you know, the challenge that uh, leaders face now and maybe some of the, some of the how as well. Would be, would be great. So we're going to go back to um, the commercial break now, but do join us in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Lara Stein uh, of uh, Boma Global, and uh, we've been talking about, about elevating really leadership and empowering them to build a better tomorrow. And I think Lara's been explaining how, you know, there's a lot of changes required now and in a complex systemic world and, um, you know, egos have got to get out of the way and we've got to think about how do we do business, which can be very, very profitable still, but also uh, contribute to um, some of the world's problems whilst embracing things like diversity. Um, Now you, you've, you, Alara, with with 
you know, TEDx, you mentioned there, you know, TED was kind of like a small convention, but it had massive traction with, with, you know, very, very elite actually speakers. And, um, and, and what you did with, with it was you made it even more accessible and, and let, you know, other people have a go around the world, really. Tell us a little bit about that and maybe how, what you learned about, uh, about kind of harnessing as a leader, the, you know, a global yeah. momentum really. Yeah. Yeah. So TED was a you know small conference that was definitely, you know, attended by you know, a few very elite people. And when I started at TED, it was a small team of about 20 people. And I think what was interesting in designing TEDx was, I mean, there were a lot of learnings, but when we when I first designed the framework, there were guidelines and we put the guidelines out into the world where you could organize your own TED-like event. In the beginning, it was mainly people who had attended TED, so it was a small inner circle, but as it grew and it opened up more and more, though the line of how open and closed you, you needed to make it was sort of a shifting line and those guidelines in many places, although we had one set of guidelines for the whole world, became rules because in order to manage the open network, and, and you get a lot of value from opening something up like that, but there are also a great deal of challenges in opening up mm. um, your brand to a global community based on a quite a thin set of guidelines in the beginning. And so it was an evolving um, strategy of how do you let go and what do you let go and what do you control? And I, 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 line, I like a line in the sand that's constantly shifting. And a lot of, and there's most certainly a lot of that value that Ted got out of opening it up, but there were challenges along the way and where we, sh- where we evolved the guidelines to and where we evolved the rules to was dependent on very real uh, time inputs from the global community and the system that I'd set up to allow for that to happen. And so it was very much about designing it and evolving it by listening to the crowd and the challenges that our licensees were having around the world where our community was having. And so all the work that I've done since then has been around this idea of how do you create a system that can be both top-down and bottom-up and how much do you need to control and let go and how much can you let go by um, embracing the bottom up change? And what really excites me is that I do think in the long term that in order to unpack these very complicated problems that we need to solve, um, we have to bring all these stakeholders along with us and it has to embrace a new system that allows for both top down and bottom up input and innovation. And so what I've done for the last 15 years is just kept evolving this idea of, you know, how do we empower the crowd? Because I'm also really excited. I mean, the most exciting part of TEDx for me was the incredible innovation that happened on a local level in, in, in all aspects of what we were doing. And, you know, what started off as, well, we're going to do this license and we're going to let people run a TED-like event and we thought maybe, you know, one or two people would show up and do a sort of a TED-like event became sort of, for some um, communities, a hugely ambitious project that was as sometimes as good as a day at TED and where the local innovation was sometimes profound and really cool and also not only that, but where they actually wanted to take this format was super exciting to me and so the tension often became, well, should we let them do this? And where I said it was always like, yeah, let's let this experiment bloom. Let's see where it goes because that's where the interesting stuff really happens is in this community who's really passionate and driven, who's trying this new thing. And so what? It may not look exactly like how we envisioned a TED or TEDx event, but maybe it would unleash something more interesting, right? And so there was amazing people in the original early days of the TEDx community doing some really fabulous innovation, and that excited me. And it still excites me. I think that's how I lead. Um, I find smart people. I give them enough rope to hang themselves. And it's okay if they do because you learn from your mistakes. And, um, you know, it's, it's much more exciting to me to have a team who has the courage to innovate and feels confident enough to innovate um, and is willing to innovate. And I'm okay with them 
taking risks and making those mistakes than a team that is, you know, afraid to make decisions, you know, lives in a culture of fear, lives in the culture of non-innovation. And it is harder to maintain that culture as an organization grows. You know, I, re- I merged three companies um, in the late 90s, um, web strat- three web strategy shops in New York City, and grew it to about 300 people and became the flagship office of a much bigger roll-up. And in that moment, most certainly keeping innovation alive and driving revenue is, is more difficult as a team grows. But I believe it is possible based on the leader at the top and the willingness to lead from a place of courage rather than a place of fear. And um, I think that's what the world, I mean, why BOMA shifted to, you know, focusing on, on leadership training, especially during COVID, was I think the biggest problem we have right now, well, the two biggest problems is the lack of leadership on the planet and the lack of education. And I think if we had courageous leaders and if we were willing to educate every child on the planet in the way we could based on the technology and the access to amazing people we have, we could profoundly change who we are as a human species. And that is all doable. It's just a matter of, you know, we, we, we want to do it. Sure, will. Mm, yeah. I, th- I think in you know, listening to that, what you've, you've, you've articulated is the, you know, is, is the value that um, being prepared to give up some control centrally in that it's, you know, a lot of organizations and the blue chip organized, the financial organizations I've worked with, I used to work for one of the world's biggest confectionery firms, those sorts of things. There's a lot of, a lot of control and protecting the brand at every single kind of, uh, kind of angle really. And uh, people were very, you know, restricted by, by rules, some, some ability to make, to be creative, but. Yeah. Well, that's what I think that's sorry, that's what TEDx proved that if you're willing to trust people and you give them a framework and they feel trusted, they will mm-hmm. protect your brand. Yes. Right. If they're working from a place of, well, I'm not trusted and fear, well, they have no incentive. No. No. So is that, is that one of the things you, you know, you'd aim, aim to do is take, take away that, um, build, build a foundation of trust, but take away, take away fear. But, but, but I suppose the benefit you have with someone like Ted too is you, there was such a, a quality perception of that brand that people would be, you know, feel pretty honored to, to be linked with it. Yeah, not at the beginning, though, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't that well known. So it definitely grew over time. I mean, my current BOMA partner, uh, Michelle, did the very first TEDx outside of the US. You know, no one knew the brand. No one knew whether it was quality or not quality. It was an unknown brand in France at the time. And um, he grew it with TEDx Paris to be an amazing brand, right? But it, there was no real perception of TED in France at the time. Mm. Mm. And so, I mean, I guess what was really interesting was, you know, from Ted's perspective, it was the big Ted conference that was the driver. But many TEDx attendees all over the world had no real idea what Ted even was. Their only touch point was their local TEDx event. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do you think the, uh, you know, with, with introducing TEDx, that. Uh, you mentioned the sort of bottom-up and top-down approach um, that expanded the, the the TED brand even more globally and, and raised its uh, its stock, really. Yeah, I mean, most certainly it made it, I mean, that and then putting the TED Talks online, the combination of those two things. Remember, yeah. the TED Talks were put online yeah. in the early days of online video, so it wasn't like you woke up one day and you had a million views. It was a very slow build, but... A com- combination of the talks being online and TEDx, you know, and the willingness to open up was what drove the visibility of the TED brand ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Now, now there, are, there are thousands of companies around the world that provide leadership training. Um, uh, I, I'm one of them uh, and, uh, and, and help leaders develop and build engaged workplaces and things. And, you know, what, what – um, you know, what was the real driver for you in terms of uh, bringing this, this, this kind of methodology around um, you know, top, top up and bottom down and uh, taking that TED philosophy to leadership training? Was it, was it, the, was it the desire to, when, when it was very, you know, you could say it's a very busy market. I, mean, I think it's a busy market, but there's a need to think differently. Um, but what, 
you know, what was your... Yeah, your so I think, you know, there's nothing more important in this moment in time than leadership, right? At the moment, the world is in such a complicated place. There are all these vectors coming together. COVID has most, most definitely shown how vulnerable we are, um, but it's not it's climate change, geopolitical change, social change. And so in order to navigate this moment, we really do need a different kind of leader. Um, you know, the original vision for Bowman still is, although COVID has made us focus mainly on the corporate leadership piece, is that we want to drive cross-stakeholder leadership. So we're de- developing what we're developing right now, and I can get more into that, um, with a definite atten- intent to not only train corporate leaders, but train community leaders and eventually be able to give away what we're developing to those who would not normally have access to this kind of thinking, right? And so, you know, I think there are a few things that set us apart. One is that we are absolutely, um, you know, focused on both the externalities and the internalities, you know, what you need to know and the who you need to be. We're working with leaders across the world that we know because we've worked with them all and academics think very differently about this moment and what we need to make this shift happen. And we're basically taking the years of research and downloading it into these sort of imminently trainable modules, feel like they feel more like a day at TED than your yeah. traditional sort of you know, drive, more boring corporate training. And we're doing it in a framework of a decentralized open um, series of partners around the world that are localizing it in the way we've structured these modules in a way that it can be totally relevant to their local community, their local company, and their local challenges. And so we're building in a way that it's agile. We can update it and change it so it doesn't feel you know, old and stale. And I think we're building in a way that is more in line with how people are consuming um, information right now, which these are complicated problems in order to train leaders and make them understand the complexity, you've got to um, build it in a way that it, it does feel like a inspiring, great journey where you're leading and doesn't feel like, oh, God, I've got to go through this corporate training. I'm going to get my assistant to do it, yeah. right? Um, and these are complicated problems, but that's sort of what my network does well. They take really complicated problems and unpack them in a way that is exciting. And we've had to do that with many speakers in our networks in many different ways. And whether it was doing TED events or TEDx events or Singularity events or doing, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that the combination of all those things is um, what makes us really exciting. And then, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, we really are willing to put a stake in the sand and say, okay, where do we, in this moment in time, what do leaders really need to know in order to build this different future? Um, and so, you know, we, we believe leaders of the future need a combination of soft and hard skills. We need to teach courage, vulnerability, compassion, ethics, values. But we also need to teach, you know, exponential tech, cutting-edge insights, sustainability, global trends, future focus. So, how do you do that in a way that is um, really doing justice to the complexity, but also making it exciting and a great experience? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, and uh, ensuring it, it becomes transformational and uh, not just a whole, not, not, not just files that get taken. Yes. I tick the box. It's got to be, it's got to hit the mark, hasn't it right now? Cause there's an, ur- there's an urgency. Yeah. You know, there's well, an we all feel that urgency inside BOMA. So, you know, that's what drives us every day. It's like this is really important work. And, you know, in addition to the leadership training, in order to keep ourselves really relevant as we all do these global events focused on big global challenges, my New Zealand partner just did a 500-person event live streamed around the world on regenerative ag and the future of food. And we had Paul Pullman and Amy Novogratz um, who participated and we founded local innovation labs and brought them in and, and entrepreneurs. And so it's as much about how do we uh, stay really find the, the innovation and the systems and the people driving those systems and then bring them back down into our leadership training mm. or incorporate them into our leadership training. Mm. Exciting times, and um, yeah, an exciting venture. And I really, I really do, you know, get that. I can imagine all, you know, all those um, 
those those TED talks that you were a part of, and all those those people, the different ways they delivered, and different ways they taught, and their different insights and wisdom, and you know, um, taking taking the learning and the lessons from that, and TEDx, and then um, you know, utilizing your your kind of uh, filmmaking experience and all those sorts of things, as well as systems and processes. It's um, it's I think you're going to be one to watch. Well, I mean, we'd like to be in, you know, 150 countries and yeah. we want, you know, aligned partners that share our values. We really want to be in it with us for the long haul and um, do it in a way that we, I mean, the way we, we work right now is we are sharing networks. So we, do, we, do, we develop a lot of the curriculum for the, the leadership training, but ultimately that's shared by the network and the network, all the different country partners innovate as well in their local countries. And um, that's also shared back with the rest of the network. So it's sort of this learning sharing network of best practices and innovation. So it's living, living, breathing and growing. Yeah. Taking a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, I'd like to just also have a, you know, I know you're very passionate about about equality and 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 you know the w- women and uh, and 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 girls and uh, you know all those kind of issues around diversity and that sort of thing. So I'd love to just tap into that because we you know we we're very much uh, the show is about business for good really and on, underpinning it all. And uh, you know th- these are these are fundamental fundamental issues. And, uh, and and need to be resolved. So let's let's come back after the break and talk about that, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about maybe how people can connect and find out a bit more about about Boma and some right. final messages. So back again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lara Steen, and we're talking about, about empowering leaders to build a better tomorrow. And... You know, uh, by the way, if you've got any, you know, uh, questions, comments on this, do send me an email to chris at chriscooper.co.uk and uh, I'll, I'll share anything as well with Lara that, uh, that comes through if it's uh, relevant. We'd love to, love to hear from you and, and get your feedback and thoughts and ideas. But, but I want to talk about that, that, that issue, you know, think about with a huge subject around equality and, and gender. But before we do that, you know, we were having a, an interesting ch- a conversation in the break because I think you, you know, I, I expressed a concern that I have around uh, people needing to, to protect what they believe in right now. And, and, and we seem to have a common concern in that area about, uh, you know, all of the, how it's so easy with, via social media and things like that to hear a viewpoint and pick up on it and then, then believe it um, when it may be completely and utterly off the mark. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? And how do people protect themselves right now? Yeah, I, I believe it's one of our biggest challenges of the moment. Um, social media is shattering our concept of any kind of shared value system, single stories. It's shattering it into many hundreds of thousands of pieces, but more 
um, concerning is that those pieces, none of them are credible. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people I deeply respect, but that believe everything that shows up in their Facebook feed or their Snapchat feed or their TikTok feed. And they don't go back to finding where that information came from. And often it's, it's not a credible source. And often it's based on all sorts of hearsay or um, non-scientific evidence or whatever the case may be. And because they are not trained to go back to think about, well, who's saying this and where did it come from? It carries as much weight as, you know, the most academic research, you know, most academic institution doing research or, or news outlet. Um, and so it's very hard to imagine how when we're becoming more and more divided, we ever come back together again to listen and respect each other's point of view if we're not willing to create a framework that at least respects what is a credible idea and where it comes from and who's entitled to put an incredible idea out there, you know, is it your crazy aunt who maybe never got an education or is it your, you know, is it Yuval Noah Harari? Like, you know, and how do they both carry the same amount of weight in the same conversation? And so, you see this playing out over and over again. You see it playing out on a very personal level. I have lots of friends, as I say, who, you know, 10 years ago, we were on the same page with them about everything. And now I call them up and it's a constant challenge to even get them to understand that where the information is coming from is not credible. And so I think we have to figure that out. And, I, and, and the social media companies have a role to play, although they like to believe they're just a platform, they stuff starting to understand they do have a role to play in this and um, they always have had a role to play in that, right? And, and that comes also back down to ethics and what kind of society you ultimately want to live in, you know, back in 2010 or whenever where the CEO of YouTube understood that all his, a large percentage of his traffic was coming from more explicit information. In that mo- moment he had a, or videos, yeah, in that moment he had a choice to make. Do I continue to perpetuate algorithms that were going to, you know, allow this content to get more visibility and thereby drive traffic and revenue, or do I fix this algorithm? And he chose not to fix the algorithm, right? And so then you're dealing with the problem 10 years later where you have to go back and try to figure out what now, right? In In the wake of a lot of, you know, damage that's been done. So huge issue that, um, we have to fix as society. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it needs um it needs people like people like yourself with the um you know the reach to to help people realize that. It's it's just so important. We 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 can get our minds hijacked. We I think we can link Brexit. Well, but our elections have been hijacked. Uh, yeah, elections, our personal yeah. feeds have been hijacked. So, but I think it's not just it's it's got to come from, you know, governance. It's got to come from the companies themselves taking some responsibilities and it all goes back to the leadership and being an ethical leader and not only be driven by, you know, what looks like, you know, delivering for your shareholders. Yeah. So, so talking about, you know, kind of ethics and we would talk about, you know, we've mentioned like diversity and, and gender, you know, I know this is very, very much, um, you know, close to your, your heart. And when, when I, when I was reading your bio, it got me thinking, I went to a school, a Maasai school a few years ago in Kenya. And uh, it was, uh, the, you know, what surprised me about it, it was, it was a wonderful school, but on the school badge, it said, um, D- uh, don't sell your daughters for cows, give them an education. Yeah. And uh, I just found that, you know, I took a photo, I remember taking a photograph of that and, uh, and, it, and I thought about it quite deeply. You know, and we've only got a few minutes left. And, but you know, what are your, you know, you, you were very involved in this kind of arena too. It's very important to you. Just, you know, what, 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 what message do we need to, leaders need to have about this right now? What do they? Well, it goes back to this idea of diversity and inclusion will ultimately drive a better, more competitive company and ultimately drive more value and revenue because you'll have a more diverse workforce who has more diverse inputs and as a result you you know your the values will be at the heart of how you're doing business because it will represent this diversity and um 
female leaders also lead differently. And so I think we need more feminine leadership on the planet right now. And that's not to say, you know, we don't need great men. I think we have to find a way to combine these two forms of leadership um, and give the freedom to great men to be a part of it. Um, but we have to commit to this idea of, you know, building workforces that are diverse and inclusive. And I think COVID has shown, you know, I think it's 60% of women said they are worse off now than they were pre-COVID. And there's been a huge um, loss of jobs for, for women um, because of COVID. And women have had to step out of the workforce in order to take care of, especially if they have children of a school going age. And so COVID has really had a profoundly negative effect on, on women and women in the place of work. And so I think we need to pay attention to that and, you know, spend time really figuring out how to support and change that. Um, also, as you know, you know, a lot of our AI and a lot of our technology is being designed primarily at companies that have um, not a diverse workforce, not a lot of women helping program a lot and, and designed a lot of this technology. And in order to create algorithms that are fair and inclusive, that ultimately will play a huge part in how we live in the future, we need the diversity of inputs designing those algorithms and the technology. And so I think in order, if we, you know, if we care deeply about this planet, having women play an equal role to men and have respect is a key to tackling all our challenges. We can't, and companies won't be able to attract the best talent or be competitive unless they understand that being inclusive is a key part of where they need to go in the future. Yeah. And how, how do we, you know, how, how is going back into the workplace, you, 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 you um, explained that you had four years when you, when you weren't working, you were looking after yeah, your yeah, children. Yeah. And it must be, uh, you know, for some people, they, 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 they stay looking after the children, don't they? I mean, I remember talking to... Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's what's happening yeah. right now. Women are stepping out because their husbands are at work and they have to look, be on Zoom school with their kids or they have to be looking after their kids because their kids aren't even going to school. And, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think a lot of women won't step back in or won't be able to step back in. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, I mean, what um, what characteristics do you think you you know you you've been hugely uh, influential and 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 senior in your kind of experience? What, what what advice would you give to women who maybe want to become, you know, a, a chairman, a, a CEO of an organisation? What you know, what do you have a tip that you might give them? Uh, an insight that's that's linked to the, your success? Well, first, I'd say that. I guess the advice I would have given to my 20-year-old, 30-year-old and now older self is very different. You know, I think when I was younger, I just kept my head down and when um, things didn't feel fair or inclusive, I just ignored them and went around them. You know, by the time I was in my 30s, I was starting to call some of it out, but I still didn't have the um, language or the courage sometimes because obviously it's not always a a popular narrative in, 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 and especially in those days, there was no me too. There was no black, it was, you know, it, it was a very different moment in time. Um, today, my role as a leader is I make it a priority to nurture up and coming women and try and give them the tools they will need, but also tell them to be honest and hold on to who they are as a human being and be willing to have the hard conversations with, um, you know, whoever they're reporting into if it doesn't feel like they're being treated fairly. And that is easily more easily said than done. You know, I have lots of friends all over the world and it really depends on the willingness of the organisation even now to really listen to that narrative. And so, you know, sometimes it's a balance between putting food on the table and speaking your truth. You know, I'd like to be able to say to everybody, speak your truth, do it in a respectful way. But sometimes, depending on your 
you know, situation, you can't do that. And so I'd love to be able to say to every woman, go out there and speak your truth, you know, speak truth to power. If you think you're not being treated fairly, speak it in a respectful way. And here's how you can go about doing it. But you also have to be realistic about your, you know, financial situation and the reality of your life. And so I will say that I guess what I will would say to every woman is you all can be a leader. There's a leader inside of all of us. I never really thought I'd ever be a leader. I didn't think I, it was not in my upbringing. And, um, but we could, this world needs, this world is broken and needs great leaders. And we all have it in us that if we have the right values right now, you owe it to, you know, the planet, you owe it to your organization, you owe it to your next generation. I have two girls to step up right now and use your voice. Excellent. Well, I'm afraid we're, we're, we've run out of time, actually. Um, so I just wanted to, just before we go, um, if, for people, if you want to find out more about BOMA.global, um, go to BOMA.global. And is there anything, anybody you're looking out for right now? Are you look, we're looking for global partners. Um, you know, who, who would you like to connect with you? If uh... Yeah, so we're looking for BOMA Global Partners. And there are a lot of different ways you can engage Primarily, if you align with our values and you want to drive a more inclusive and sustainable world, and we have principles on our website, but ultimately our partners, you can be a business partner and work with us on the work we're doing on our leadership training. You can be an event partner where we're tackling some of the big global challenges through thought leadership and event, like our event we just did on um, regenerative ag. And finally, we uh, just before or just after Davos, we launched our Boma Community Circles, where anybody in the community can find help us find and source local innovation. And there is more about that on our website. So we're looking for individuals that want to help us build a more intentional, intelligent world. So join us in your Boma. Excellent. Well, thank, thank you very much. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Got one minute, thirty seconds. Just follow your compass and make it count because the world needs you thank you so follow, follow your compass make it count the world needs you it's been a great privilege talking with you today lara thank you so much and uh and i say anyone's got any questions thank you, or comments, thanks for having me. me yeah do send to chris at chris and if you're interested do check out the boma.global website um it's uh, fascinating to see what uh, lara and the, the team globally are, are doing so uh, wish you all well and once again lara steen thank you we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.